From the PSIA AASI Safer at Home Studios in Nederland, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair. Very interesting show for you today. We're visiting today with Dave Horn. Dave, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. Always a pleasure. Now, Dave, I love the way you and I met. Uh, it's almost like I was stalking you for a while on Instagram. Sorry. <laughs> but I, I find this person who I have so much in common with. We're both level threes. We both have the goal of making Rocky Mountain Trainer and Ed Staff. Um, we started out in our younger years with conventional bike racing, traditional bike racing. And then as we matured, we got into riding longer and longer and longer distances. And uh, I just felt like I had met this kindred spirit. So it was really great to, to finally meet you face to face. And it's almost like we're twins in a way, except we have a couple of differences. One, you're a much better skier than I am. Uh, two, you've got a, the militaries in your background. And um, I'm Scottish and Welsh in my heritage, and you're African-American. So why is it that that last bit makes, makes such a difference to so many people? You know, you're so right, though. Uh, that last little bit, it shouldn't matter at all. And, and believe it or not, in my approach to life and accomplishing things in life, I always compare myself just as a human being, where I put myself in those situations where I just refer to myself as a, as a human being just trying to achieve. And that's as simple as that. I never let the, the differences with race or, or heritage be a factor. And Dave, what I really wanted to do today was have First Chair really be a platform for you to tell your story, how you got into ski instruction, and tell us what, what it was like for you and what it is like for you. So I started skiing back in 1977 in a small area just outside of Buffalo, New York. Um, and I was, I was invited on a ski trip with, from my swimming coach. And she said, if you got all C's or better, I'd take you on a ski, ski trip. And I was like, sure, okay. So I ended up getting B's and A's. And <laughs> she took me out. And, uh, you know, a funny coincidence is, is there was this guy that was following me around the entire day. It was, was very, very annoying. You know, he's asking me all these questions and everything. You know, I, I went through my beginner lesson and everything, and I just went out and had some fun. But this gentleman was following me around all day long and asking questions. And at the end of the day, it turned out he was a reporter for the Buffalo Evening News. And he was actually interviewing me. So somewhere there's a, a news article about me, um, my first experience, you know, skiing. And from that moment on, I've always just wanted to be better. Love that attitude. What was it that uh, made you decide you wanted to teach? I actually had a lot of friends. When I uh, moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan, I had a lot of friends that asked me to give them some pointers because they knew that I was a an avid skier and, and very passionate about it. And I said, sure, I'll be happy to give you some pointers. And then I, I had one, one specific friend who at the time was teaching at a local resort. He said, Hey, you should come out and, um, you should, you should teach it at our resort. And I was like, Oh, well, what makes you think I could do that? And he says, Oh, dude, come on. You're great. It'd be awesome. And, and um, I didn't pick his resort. I picked another resort because I was so interested in working on my own skiing and I wanted an area that was, you know, conducive to my growth. So I picked one that was 
35 miles down the road from his. And um, it was, it's been great ever since. Now, Dave, at what point did you start to look at ski instruction as a profession and maybe something that you wanted to do longer term? So I, I did a, a little a, a short stint in, um, obviously in the military and then also in corporate America working for a major corporation, technology corporation. And um, it really, I watched people's lives just get sucked out of them. And I said, I, I'd like to do something that doesn't suck the life out of me. And I want to do something that I, I enjoy and sharing my passion it is a very rewarding thing in the, in the long term. As I said before, um, you know, working in corporate America and also in my stint as a Marine, you know, I was a Marine drill instructor as well, and watching people grow and teaching people to adapt and overcome and achieve things was very, very rewarding. And the, the ski industry was, was a perfect opportunity. You know, I have my communication skills, right, I think were on par. I mean, I could use that to, to help myself along the way. And I was not really interested in, you know, making millions of dollars. I just wanted to, at the end of the day, know that I did something that was rewarding, not only to myself, but to others as well. Dave, I can't imagine having a Marine drill instructor as my ski instructor. Uh, how do you keep Sergeant Hartman from ever slipping out? You know, um, it's not too complicated to keep that to keep things inside like that because uh, it's supposed to be fun. And if it's not fun, then um, then what's the point? Sometimes, very good. You know, point. it's it, it's it, it is it's it's a challenge because sometimes there are some frustrations, not only from the, the instructing side but also from the student side as well. So when you made that decision that you were going to do this as a profession and, and really make it your career, um, how did that work out? Um, did you decide to go to Vail right off the bat? Kind of tell us uh, about your progression. Funny story, I had a buddy of mine that he was a, um, he had a college degree in parks and recreation. And he calls me up one day, and this was when I was teaching at my resort in Michigan. He calls me up, he says, hey, should I go out to Vail to be an instructor? So I just hung up on him. So he calls me back and he's like, why'd you hang up? And I was like, well, because that's not a question you really need to ask me. The next call you should give me is you should just, you should say, guess what? And then I hung up. <laughs> so, so he was, so I, I made a trip out here and I actually skied with a lot of the staff while I was visiting him because he, he made the decision to come out and teach at Vail. And I had the opportunity to ski with some of the, the instructing staff. And uh, they offered me a job right there on the spot. And I was like, wow. So, you know, I, I, I took business cards, put them in my wallet. And then, you know, the company that I was working for got bought by another company. And then it got downsized. And I was part of that, that downsize. So I made one phone call. And, I, you know, they all hired me right away. And it was just like that. I was unemployed for like 30 minutes. It was the smoothest job transition in my entire life. I've never had. How long have you been there now? Uh, this will be starting my 10th season. And Dave, you're a year-round employee at Vail. So what exactly are your duties there? So currently I am the lead PC network tech for Vail Mountain. 
So I make sure that all the point of sales machines are working, all the desktop machines, laptops, um, all of our cash registers that take revenue. Uh, I also check our networking, scan guns, uh, lift connections, Wi-Fi. It's, it's a, it is a massive role. But you also able are able to fit in some lessons here and there, correct? I am. I, 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 yes. And that is kind of an agreement on, on taking the job working for the IT department is that I could be allowed to teach. And I usually teach, I get in anywhere between 20 to 30 days of teaching per season. And then I also, you know, mentor and, and do some resort training as well. Now, I saw a Facebook post from you um, about two weeks ago. Could you kind of share that with us? Yeah. Um, one thing that was very important for me is achieving my Cert three, so that I could be a be more of a beacon for, you know, the African-American culture group. And I decided to uh, join one of the um, Facebook groups, the uh, professional the black professional ski and snowboard instructors. And I read a post there where one gentleman said, talked about how he had been discriminated against within the ski industry. And he'd been a member of PSA and ASI since 1988. And I, I'm, I'm new to, the, to this whole organization. I've, I've just gone over about 15, 16 years now. And so I, I felt that I needed to comment and tell him my experience being a part of PSA and ASSI. And my entire time in the industry, as an employee in the, in the, in the industry, I have never felt that I was ever discriminated against. And I, I needed to tell him that because, I, you know, we're, we're in a stage right now where everybody's talking about we need to change but at the same time, I felt I felt that we needed to still have information out there that change has already happened. No one's ever told me that I could never, you know, get my cert two, my cert one, or cert three. They never told me I couldn't be a trainer. They've never told me that I couldn't be a supervisor. In fact, they've asked me many times, you know. And there were been a lot of times where I was like, "Wow, I mean." doesn't really matter, you know, that I am a black guy, you know, out here, African-American. And it's, it's a good feeling when people do acknowledge it, that I'm out here, you know, showing face and being that beacon and showing that change has happened. It, and it's, it's a necessary thing, but we spent so much time talking about all the things that have gone wrong and I really felt that I needed to make a post that things are actually going right. And how was that received? Um, it was still questioned. And it's still questioned. However, um, what I did is I, um, on my Facebook page, I enlisted my, my army of change, is what I like to call them, <laughs> which is everybody that I'm friends with. I have over... 800 Facebook friends and probably 600 of them are all in the ski industry. And I enlisted them. And then I said, Hey, I want everybody to chime in here and I want everybody to tell 
my story from your point of view. And a lot of people jumped in and they were like, yep, absolutely. Dave's just as hardworking, sets goals, and just wants to achieve. And we don't see him as any different than anyone else. And it was, it was really awesome. It was great. Now, Dave, you and I were chatting yesterday and you know, I brought up, I'm an old white guy who uh, is in what I had always seen as really two of the least diverse sports on the planet, alpine skiing and bicycle racing. And you disagreed with me. I'd love for you to go over that. So what was brought to my attention is, and this is a true fact, is that it's, it seems to be more about classism than racism. And when I, when I say that, as, as I was growing up, I was always I was taught, get a good education, get a good job so that you can take care of your family. And money is, money is power. And when you have money, you can actually position yourself to be a little bit more powerful. And as far as ethnicity goes, as far as how black people approach things is, is we all are trying to, to, to achieve a higher status in society. And that's where classism comes into play. So most African-American or black people, for that matter, we, we have this mentality sometimes of, of trying to overcome suppression in society and trying to make ourselves stand out to the point where we can be acknowledged for the things that we, we are capable of doing and capable of, being, of, of achieving. And one of the big things is, is like is being no different than anyone else. But in order for us to do that, some, some things, it takes money. And the more of that you have, the more likely you can walk into an organization and present yourself. It's not always the, the best way and it's not always the solution, but it, it does get you noticed. I mean, having nice things in life in general, most people, a lot of people want to have that, but for, you know, African-American and black, black people, that's it, you know, get a good education, which costs money, get a good job, which will bring you more money. And then you can actually go out and do these things like, you know, things in the ski industry. You know, the ski industry for a long time has been considered to be one of those ex- expensive luxury activities. And so, you know, you, you, you associate that with, with wealth and then there you have it. So it's, it's one of those things where do we, how do we get out? How do we get involved in that? It's not that we're not capable, but it's more about how do we, how do we get involved in it? And for me, I've found ways, just like any other person, to make it affordable, you know, become a ski instructor. I get discounts on ski equipment, lift tickets, and it makes it very, very obtainable. Well, Dave, there we are with another similarity. I always wanted to be a mountain ambassador back in the early days because that's how I was able to get equipment at a greater discount. Yeah, it's always one of those things where you, you if it's something that you're very passionate about, you're willing to, to drive yourself to do it, it, it can be obtained. I mean, I don't, I don't ever believe that a single sea instructor has actually gone out and, and not 
look for a discount way of getting lift tickets or equipment or clothing or whatever it may be. And that's part of the, the perks of, of the job once you find out that they are perks. And it makes it so much more easier. Now, Dave, what's it like for you when you go back and, and visit your friends in Michigan, Detroit, and uh, this amazing skier from Vail comes out? You must just destroy everybody. No. <laughs> No, 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 I don't. You know, there's some amazing skiers, you know, in the Detroit area. And, you know, I go up to Boeing Mountain, go up to Boeing Highlands, and they're just animals. I mean, they're, I get blown away. So, but it is very, they do welcome me when I, when I come back. And, you know, and when you look at the bigger picture of things and you look at how people are and groups of people and you look at ethnicities, and I mean, it's a great time when you're skiing, when you're, when you're with a group of people that are that you have a lot more in common with. Just you know, outside of skiing alone, and and that's one of the bigger factors with getting more African Americans out into the Rocky Mountain Division is is creating that environment where where they can see that oh yeah this. I'm going to be comfortable here because there's others like me here. And when I say like me, I mean skin color, you know, how we look, you know. And I think that's 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 going to be the biggest start of where things can possibly change is getting that opening that door where they can say, oh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of other black people out here that ski and enjoy it and work out here and, and have found a way to make a living. And how can we do that? And I know that's a question we can't answer in, you know, five more minutes of our podcast. But I look at the area where I work, which is a a smaller local area. We have a staff of around 200, two of whom are African-American. You're at Vail with a staff of probably 1,500 instructors. And again, I'm just making an assumption, but there probably aren't that many more than we have at uh, my area. You know, it's a great uh, question that you brought up because I, I, I hadn't even thought of how to, you know, bring this to, to light and, you know, recruiting in the inner city versus, or I should say not the inner city, but the urban city, the urban areas, a little bit more recruiting because I'm, there are tons of, of instructors that are in the Midwest that are in, you know, California. They're all over the place. If I think if we changed our approach to recruiting and recruited a little bit more you know, within the continental United States, in those major metropolises, we might see a change. We might, you know, see things a little bit different. College recruiting, going to different colleges, different, you know, you know what are the, 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 the ski shows that they have. That's a start right there. Dave, anything you'd like to say in conclusion? It's been great visiting with you. It's, you know, my experience with, with BSA and ASSI and in the ski industry has been phenomenal. I mean, I've had nothing but a lot of success. And it's, it has been hard work, but it's all been worth it. I mean, like, you know, getting my Rocky Mountain level three, I go back, you know, to the central division and like I'm walking 10 inches above water, which is a great feeling. And it's so great to be welcomed with open arms in all the areas back there too as well. Dave, I look forward to uh, a couple of bike rides here the, later in the summer or early fall, and uh, hope we can make some turns together this winter. 
absolutely looking forward to it as well. Dave Horn joining us on First Chair from the PSIA, AASI, Safer at Home Studios in Netherland, Colorado. I'm George Thomas.